The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening. Or if you're joining us at a later time on one of your favorite places to listen to podcasts, it is always a pleasure to hang out with you all and talk about what's going on in the wide world of sports. Is DJ joined as always by my co-host Kelsey and Kelsey it is finally set after four or five months of waiting, really 365 days of waiting. The Super Bowl is finally set and we couldn't be less excited overall, but we'll get into that a little bit more. Plus NBA all-stars. We got a pretty good, we got a pretty good set of topics here and the coaching carousel is starting to turn into the coaching musical chairs. We are now down to one. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, you know, for so much to happen, I've never felt so less, Whelmed, so underwhelmed. I couldn't come up with a better analogy than to say less whelmed because honestly, it's a fake word. But you know what? I don't care. It is, that's how how, how dis- disappointing it feels this week um, for what we experienced this last weekend, as well as all the news coming out. Nothing really excited me. Maybe one thing or, or two did. But nothing really from the news released recently excited me very much. So much so that we're gonna have a fun little piece at the very end of the show for crunch time because. That was more exciting than pretty much all the other stuff that happened in the last four days. Not named. Nope, nope. Yeah, that was all the fun things that happened that was not soccer related. And you know what? There's a there as you mentioned, there's a very limited selection. And it's not that it wasn't fun. It was just like, oh, really? Like, come on, that's not what we wanted. But we'll get into all that and a little bit more in a little bit. But for now, we're gonna go and jump right into our first segment. That is the tip-off. The tip-off, of course, brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek. Use code Bellow Sports, gets $20 off your first. Set of tickets for any sporting event, concert, or any other shenanigans you want to get into that requires tickets. And we'll start off with something that was a little exciting and a little bit of magic, if you will. A little bit of Luca magic is once again, we got another player dropping 70 points right after another player drops 70 points as Luca gets himself a 70 piece with a little bit of sauce on the side as well against Atlanta. And I'm going to start by saying I'm mad about this game because when I jumped on DraftKings, his over-under was set at 37. I was like, there's no way. He'll get 35, 13, and 7. I'm taking the under. And sure enough, I came back. I was like, well, okay. I would, I was double wrong on that. I was wrong two times over. So Luca would more than get scoring 70. I believe he had 10, 10 rebounds as well, too, with almost a triple-double with it as well. An absolutely incredible performance. I'm just going to say I'm still mad that I took the under. I should have just taken the over and left it at that. I thought 37 was a ridiculous mark, but – here I am being wrong. So, Kelsey, Lucas, uh, that gets you a little bit excited with his 70 points. And do you like his or Joel Embiid's a little bit more? I mean, Lucas is always fun. I feel like watching the way Luca plays is always entertaining to me because it's like an old man playing basketball outside. You know, he does things that you're just like, that shouldn't be an athlete playing basketball. But then he does things, and you're like, wow, that's an athlete playing basketball. Like, kind of shocks you the way he plays. It's very similar to the way Jokic plays as a center uh, in, the, in the fact that it's not necessarily above the rim. But at times, they flash some ridiculous athleticism amongst the all the other ridiculous things they do in passing shooting other things like you just occasionally see like oh oh he actually is an athlete he's not a guy who can't jump over a phone book it's so no i do enjoy luke i did enjoy lucas uh 70 i'm a little disappointed with the aftermath of that though uh because after the game probably most boring session if you will after the game uh as with the as far as with the media and everything he was about as boring as can be and that was disappointing but other than that i mean it was overall it was you know it was good. I just, I don't know if I say his, but his was better than Embiid's. I mean, apples and oranges in a lot of ways. Embiid did it against Juan Binyama. Um, You know, 
Luca did it against the Hawks, so it's not like we're talking about they did it against excellence here. Um, but you know, I'll take either one. Honestly, if I were on either one of these teams, I'd be happy with my guy getting seventy because at least they didn't get it in a loss. What is it about seventy points that in the last couple of years that has kind of turned into almost contagious? Well, last year, Donovan Mitchell gets seventy, then right off the bat, Damian Lillard's like, you know what, I got you, and they get seventy-two of his own this year. We see the same thing as well. So there's something about that 70-point thing that's absolutely contagious. I think they were awesome. I like that Lucas had a few less free throws, just a few less as well, but that's just splitting hairs at this point. I think it was awesome to see both of them do it. They're incredible performances. Nothing we we're, It's almost – we expect nothing less from Luka at this point. So it's, he's going to pick that team on his back and see where he can carry them off to. But speaking of Luka and Joel Embiid, the NBA All-Star starters – have our have been selected now as well too and as you would expect you would see we do see luca and joel Embiid on that list as well too no surprise there among the other starters we have on that list for the west we have luca starting a point kevin durant shea gill chris alexander lebron james for the 20 i think the 20th season in a row now yeah, and Nikola Jokic. what was that 20th all-star game for lebron more years in his life as an all-star than not an all-star at this point absolutely ridiculous and Nikola Jokic rounding it out and then in the Eastern Conference, we have the aforementioned Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, and our boy Tyrese Halliburton making his making the Cuz's first time as a starter too, as well. So quite the quite the list. And what I guess we'll go ahead and start with anybody that you feel like could have got. I don't want to say snubbed because all of these guys are more than willing to deserving. But I'll go. We'll take a look at guys that we think could have been starters in place. I'll go ahead and just kind of go first. Okay, I'll get one out of the way for each. When I look at the East. Damian Lillard is awesome. He has every business being a starter. He is that good. However, I'm looking at Donovan Mitchell, and I think he had a very, very, very strong case, especially how injury riddled that team has been. Donovan Mitchell is just still giving you 28 points and career highs and assists, rebounds, and steals at six of five and a half and two, respectively. So he's been absolutely awesome keeping the Cavs afloat while Garland and Mobley and everyone else have been injured. Granted, Mitchell has missed a handful of games himself as well, but He's been absolutely incredible playing that point guard to guard kind of hybrid role because the offense is he's really had to be the distributor as well as the bucket getter for the most part. And he's done a great job with it. So I would make the case in there for that. But that's not obviously you're not going to say Damon Miller doesn't deserve to be a starter. At the same time, I'm saying if I had to pick someone else, there's one I'd do. And I'll just jump over to the West really quick while we're here. You don't take off LeBron James or or Shea Gilchrist Alexander or any of those guys. Obviously, they are all right there. I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard because I know he's kind of known as the load management, the injuries and all that, but he has been quite awesome this year so far as well. When he is on the court, they are absolutely outstanding by every metric. I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard, but there is a lot of other guys. I mean, there's some blatantly obvious ones out in the West as well, too, that I could have taken, but I really like what Kawhi Leonard has done this year, being mostly healthy, mostly not load managing entirely for the most part. So I'm going to say you could have given Kawhi Leonard a nod Maybe over Kevin, I don't know. Because you don't take out Luca or Jokic or Gilchrist Alexander, they've all. You don't take out LeBron, so maybe over Durant. But at the same time, do you really take off Kevin Durant? So I don't like that one as much. I definitely feel a little stronger about giving Mitchell starting not in the East, though. Okay, I mean, well, those were two of my top choices for <laughs> All Star stubs. So thank you for ruining my fun. Well, you know that's what I'm here for. You know, maybe we should trade notes first, but that there's no fun in that. That's fair. But but like all things, I come with more than just one, just in case, you know, this happens or I get to break the rules. But this time I'm not breaking the rules. I'm going to stick with it. Um, I'm going to stay in the East. I'm going to start with the East as well. You took Donovan Mitchell. There's also another guard out there that I'd look at 
as potentially overlooked. Just led the Knicks on their 14-game win streak. First time since 1994 that's happened. That's Jalen Brunson. Uh, dude's been a stud. Like, I mean, since coming to the Knicks, if anybody thinks there's been a better Eastern point guard over that same stretch as far as impact goes, outside of Darius Garland, I can say that he's obviously not included because of the injury. I'd say Tyrese Halliburton, those being the top two there. Outside of that, I'm going to have to say it's going to be Jalen Brunson as far as most impactful in the East from point guard standpoint. And yes, I'm probably being blasphemous. There's probably somebody I'm overlooking here. But I feel like that's the top three in the East as far as impact goes on their teams. And you're seeing it again with Jalen Brunson this season. Maybe it's because he's a Nick. Maybe everybody's like, oh, gosh, not the Knicks again. We all kind of have that fatigue. I get it. But look, he's 26.6 points and shooting 42% from three. Come on. Like In this month alone, 29 points a game and nine assists per game and has four, four 40-point games. Uh, impressive, to say the least. So, yeah, he's my Eastern snub. Granted, probably makes the reserve squad. That's probably not going to be an issue. Just, you know, maybe maybe okay. he's the guy that goes over Lillard. Uh, you know, at this point in time, I feel like Lillard was just accepting the fact that he's like, yeah, I'm the second best point guard everywhere. I'm like probably one of the best scorers, but probably that never going to start an all-star game. And this year he's like, oh, I get my first start. Yay. So yeah. it was kind of that opportunity for him. Um, in the West, though, I don't want to do this one, but you know what? I'm going to let my bias show. I'm going De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, talk, sure. about a, talk about a dude with a go, having an incredible season. Uh, this year, 27.5 points a game, averaging 47% from the field, uh, giving you five point, little almost six points a game, or six assists per game, four rebounds, giving you 36 minutes per game, which is insane um for his stat line and just all around i mean you ask about some of the players about who's the most torturous guard to guard to, to deal with as far as speed and ball handling and his ability to get to the bucket number one on the list De'Aaron fox so a lot i mean when you're you're talking to guys like lebron or any other defensive stalwarts out there that's the number one guy they're going to complain about and when that's the dude that that's being complained about and it's not getting an all-star com- a com- conversation tough to see um no, don't don't know who you put him over in the West. I'll be fair. I don't un, don't know, but <laughs> the conversation needs to be had um, that he's potentially the guy that that should be there. Um, but again, it's I mean, just like the West always is, and the reason why Dame it has not been a starter in the All Star game until now uh, is because in the West, guard heavy, uh, you know, conference. So no surprise that he's not there as a starter. I expect him again reserves to be picked there. Um, but yeah, I mean. Those are the two big, I guess, noticeable snubs for me. That's not Kawhi or Donovan Mitchell. It's tough with uh, Luka because he is a point guard, but he's also a small forward. I know he's listed as point guard, but he's a damn he's a point forward, and no one will tell me otherwise. He brought out of the small forward role, and, and that's the catch in it as well, too. It's like they got to find a way to get, and you can't take it away from SGA either. As soon as the spot opened up in the West, he immediately snatched that last year in the blink of an eye. Here, so it's yeah. it's tough. The West is a it's an absolute crucible trying to get through there as well. However, too, NBA All-Star Weekend is not just limited to those reserve, those starting reservations. As we'll also hear more about the reserves coming up on Thursday, too. But we do know the rosters for the Panini Rising Stars rookie and sophomores as well. And looking at this these roster lists, I'm just going to be frank. I think the rookies are going to cook. I think that rookie team, considering there is a not rookie on that team, I think that is going to. I think that team is going to do very, very well. 
you have you have the potential to put Chet Holgram, Brandon Miller, and Victor Wembanyama in the same front court. I mean, I know Apollo Banchero's on the other side. Keegan Murray is really good too, but like that's that Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holgram that is two ridiculous bean poles that can do a little bit of everything. I just don't know how the sophomores are going to be able to match up that. Banchero's going to bang down low. He's going to get his, but. That rookie front court is looking real nice. That might be one of the better rookie teams, especially considering there's one guy who's not a damn rookie on there, but I digress. Well, technically, there's two. Well, it's actually, technically, there's three if we really want to get into it. If we want to dig too far into the weeds, yeah, but I'm going with the one by the – I'm going with the Ben Simmons rule specific one of the seven-foot-three guy that can shoot threes. But I yeah. digress. I think it's that's a very – that's one of the better rookie rising teams that I can remember in a while. Like, that's a really, really good squad looking at – considering we're going off of half of their rookie year, too. Like that's still a very good squad. Yeah, rookie wise, I, I I have no complaints with the rookie team. I think the rookie team is is really really good. Um, Chet Holmgren, you know, like you said, Scoot Henderson is. I'm still scratching my head. We talked about this a little bit before we got on air when he was released. When it was released that he is selected for this game as a rookie, uh, he is also has the caveat that it's his third Panini Rising All Star Game uh, nomination. Which do you start to question? Like, wait, what? Dude was just drafted in 23. How is that possible? Um, you brought up the point potentially he's G League. We don't know the answer to that one. That's still confusing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you add Scoot Henderson into the the, the lineup they they could possibly put on the on the board, and a guy who probably most people didn't see as a potential rookie conversate rookie nom- nominee for anything, in uh, Brandon what Podzimski, the dude out of Golden State. I mean that or Keontae George. I mean, t- take either one as the point. You have a really really good squad, and in that squad alone, if you put them in the, in the league. They probably win you a, a, a lot of games, obviously, with Chet, with Victor, with Brandon Miller. I mean, they probably win you maybe not 26, but they can get you to probably at least 20. Um, but, I mean, I'll also still got to give credit to the sophomores here, man. You still have Paul, Paolo Bontero, as you mentioned. Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey. Yes, they play for the, the Pistons. Are they still good? Yep. What about Walker Kessler? Guy who was up for rookie of the year last year probably could have won it had it not been for Paolo Banchero. Um, and then his, I mean, look, Walker was probably he was my dark horse to have a great year last year. It, it surprised me that it actually turned out that way. Um, but then you add in Keegan Murray and Walker's former teammate at Auburn, Jabari Smith, those five guys, plus then you add Jalen Williams. I mean, come on, this team is this team's tough. Like, I think I take either one of these, the probably the likely starting fives here. Um, I, I wouldn't complain without any of them, to be completely honest. What's crazy is the arguably the point guard of the rookie team, Scoot Henderson, might be the worst shooter in that starting lineup as well. So when you look at Victor and Chet shooting for how they've been shooting from the outside this season, too. So that's an interesting. Yeah. It, they will be clearing out the paint so that the six foot three guard can slash while the seven three and seven six guy chill on the chill in the corners in some plays. That's amazing how silly that is as well, too. But before we get out of here and move on to our next segment as well, too, we do want to go ahead and mention. Everyone go check out our YouTube page if you like the NBA talks that heats back up a little bit. You can go there and head check out our Tier Tuesdays where we rank the NBA fan bases, which I know at least a few of you are definitely annoyed about, among many others as well. So definitely oh, go check out on that one. It couldn't be Lakers fans, right? Well, you know, there's probably plenty of others that are annoyed there as well, too. But there's a few, there's a select few group of you that will definitely enjoy at least part of that list, especially the top of it. So go check that out on our YouTube page or any of our social pages as well. But That'll do it for the tip-off, which, of course, all NBA tip-off is well to a very fitting very fitting opening segment that we did not plan, but we're going to go ahead and roll with that. And we're going to transition right into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. That is, of course, the main event. And 
for the main event, it is still that part of this of the year when we talk a little bit about football. And well, we kind of alluded to it earlier, and it's alluded in the headline. The Super Bowl is set, and it's kind of super boring, honestly. Like it's it's great because you have the Chiefs on the verge of kind of becoming the next dynasty from one perspective, but other perspectives like here we go again. Then you got the 49ers, the team that they played for three, four years ago, who kind of smoked through everybody at, up until the playoffs and then survived the the Packers or Jordan Love gave away, and then the Lions lined it. So I guess looking at this one too, uh, great matchup. Our two best teams, they got here, they deserved it, but like at the same time, damn it, Lions, why? We were all rooting for you. We we all had your back, Dan. And then Lamar, God damn it, Lamar. That was not what Marvelous. We had faith in you guys. We put you were our only hope. And now the Empire just destroyed Yavin 4. Now we're stuck with the Empire forever. So <laughs> it's gonna be a good super. We're still gonna watch. It's just like really like the intrigue in the it almost feels like we had Warriors Cavs for six years in a row. That's what it's starting to feel like at this point. Not to that extent, but you get my point. Yeah, I mean, do I think it's gonna be the most boring game? No, and the biggest reason why is because I love me some offensive line and defensive line play. So I'm cool with it. Whereas what we're going to watch, we're going to watch two offensive lines that love to dominate the other team. And it's going to be a lot of fun, but you also have two defensive lines that in their own right are. Wow. Uh, I mean, top tier here. Um, ironic. Cause we just talked about tiers, but still you get my point. It's like, it, it's, it's going to be a fun matchup from the, the standpoint of in the trenches. Um, plus any game with Patty, I never know what he's going to do. And I don't mean that in the, Oh my gosh, he threw a no-look pass for the 700th time this season. No, I mean, like, in general, I don't know what he's going to do performance-wise as far as, is he going to light it up with all his receivers? Are his receivers going to catch the ball? On top of that, will Travis Kelsey have a 100-yard game? Well, I don't know. All of those things are actually kind of interesting for me to look out for. And then I look at the defense. I mean, Nick Bolton, let's not forget, the dude last year going into the Super Bowl, most people were ready to write him off. Starts the Super Bowl with a fumble return to the house. Probably almost won Super Bowl MVP. And if that bet had hit, man, that would have been outstanding. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, no, I think I think it's a lot of fun from that standpoint. And then as I kind of just alluded to, the, the betting standpoint in this whole thing, as much as I don't care about the two teams matched up, as much as I really don't like the 49ers, and as much as I really could care less about seeing the Chiefs in the top in, in the news yet again, um, from the betting standpoint, it provides a lot of opportunity to, to at least stay entertained by the game. And I'm still also a fan of the commercials. I don't I don't walk away during commercial breaks in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. I haven't reached that point in my life yet. Um, so I still am enamored and mostly from the advertising standpoint and my day job doing marketing and stuff. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. I do enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the content of the game, probably not going to be the most exciting. I I don't know, man. We've seen we I've seen I've watched some boring Super Bowls in my life, though. I've never seen like there's there's not always they're not always gems. So this is not to me seeming that bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see why people are disappointed. Let's just put it that way. I think it's not even necessarily that it's these two teams that got there. It's the two teams that they beat to get there. We thought we were gonna finally see Lamar kind of break through and get get he finally got the monkey off his back to quote Steve Young when he beat the Texans. We thought, all right, he's gonna beat Kansas City. This is gonna be that another quarterback that emerges to compete with them. And Lamar was going to finally get his shine after all the contract talks, everything last off season. And he played arguably his worst game of the year, unfortunately as well too. And then we saw, we, and we, we don't have to go over the Lions story 32 years between playoff wins, the a thousand cents home playoff wins. You get a couple of them. 
you are ramrodding the 49ers. You look, we all, we don't even have to go over that story. Like I think it was also those two, two teams that they beat on top of it. That's like, we wanted lions Ravens. And instead this is what we got. We got the most loaded roster in the league and the arrowhead invitational part 357 at this point. So my bit, I guess we'll get more into it next week. We won't spoil next week's episode, but I'm really, I'm going to be really curious to see how Brock Purdy handles Chris Jones running a 40 yard dash at his face. Cause he's going to get through a few times. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a whole lot of man coming at you. Um, you know, it's, it, you hit on something and you talked about the stories of the players, other teams involved. And, and I know we're going to talk about this more next week, but still, I just want to touch on this now. I guess when I look at it in the history of sports, first time teams very rarely ever make it to the, make it to the, the championship game, let alone win it. It's very rare. I mean, especially in that situation. So I look at the, the Lions not making it, and I'm like, okay, you made a step forward, but most importantly, can you keep that going? But also, you know, you have the sense that from the AFC standpoint, we just experienced it. We just experienced this with Tom Brady, with Peyton Manning, with Phillip Rivers. It was a matchup between those three constantly to try to get to the Super Bowl. We'll throw I mean, in that guy from Pittsburgh who got lucky a couple times. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You throw those top four for the AFC. And then if you look at the AFC right now, well, guess what? You have Patty. You have Joe Burrow. You I have know. Joe Allen. You have Lamar. This is early career for all of them. Similar to how it was early career for Tom Brady versus Peyton for so many years. And Peyton could never get past Brady. I mean, we're kind of seeing that in a lot of ways. To me, I look at it, if I'm going to give everybody a, a correlation, the Rivers situation, I'm going to put on Lamar. Whenever they get there, they always seem to stumble. It just seems to be too big for them because um, that was the worst game plan I've ever seen in football. Um, but, yeah, and then, you know, you look at Josh Allen. He's the obvious Peyton Manning matchup there because they just can't get by him. And then you mentioned the guy in Pittsburgh. He's the Joe Burrow um, because Joe Burrow is the only guy to beat Pat- Pattier at this point in time. So, you know, you kind of have to lean that way. I mean, it's wild to think about that we're seeing so much history repeat itself, but it does beg the question of how good is – Patty historically, you know, is he is he already starting to to maybe make that that uh, that approach? Well, I don't know. Well, we definitely have a long ways to go for that as well. What's interesting you mentioned too is there's still a whole crop of other child quarterbacks in the AFC that are still emerging as well. It's including the one that Lamar beat out of Houston, coming off one of the, an incredible rookie year as well, who already has a playoff win. Among a few other young quarterbacks, that showed some promise as well too, and some looking to get back. And the wily old veteran in New York, who we'll see how he bounces back and gets healthy. So, let's and then don't forget, basically the AFC needs to stay healthy next year because we were so excited for it this year with all these players, and they all got hurt, it feels like, except for Kansas City and Baltimore. They were the only two teams that stayed healthy, and even Baltimore, not, not as much with Mark Andrews. But my point digresses. Either way, we'll get more in-depth with the Super Bowl next week. But one of the things that happens right now is the teams that lose these games, their coaches tend to sometimes get poached because you don't want to wait till after the Super Bowl necessarily. Well, that kind of happened in a way, but – not so much another direction as Ben Johnson will start there as the Carroll solo goes down to one has withdrawn once again from head coaching opportunities. He's going to stay in Detroit one more year. Adam Schefter tweeted like it's because they could, his terms were teams weren't too thrilled with his terms. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't care what Adam Schefter says in that case, because we, the editor and the big guy, he's always, he's, he's always working with somebody else and so to shape a narrative there. But the story still stands that Ben Johnson has decided to pull his name out. Which, to me, I look at it as, A, if he's like, if I'm going to leave, I'm going to want a lot of money. So that's probably where that tweet came from. He's like, I'm not going to leave a cushy situation in Detroit where I just get to be the offensive coordinator. My family likes Detroit. Eminem and me are bros. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, 
exactly. It's like, if I'm going to leave, I want to make sure all the, all the ducks in a row, that sort of thing. Like he's looking for a situation, a good situation, not a mess. If I digress up in that case, it's great, but I'll also circle around to just to match the title before I let you jump in here. Carousel down to one is McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. The young star defensive coordinator who's really emerged these last couple of years is heading to Seattle to take over for Pete Carroll there. And at first I said, I like the move. I didn't love it, but the more I look at it, I like it a little bit more and more each time I look at it as well too. That defense is going to be menacing with that personnel and him and some of the stuff he pulled off with the Ravens. He's going to have a whole lot of fun with Devin Witherspoon, Tariq Woolen, maybe Jamal Adams don't really care so much there. Bobby Wagner, Leonard Williams, et cetera. Like he's going to have some fun there. I like the move more and more, the more I look at it. Yeah. um, I'll start with that one. Actually, the, the, the Seattle move here with McDonald, I think it's a great move. And you know, and when we did our predictions for where every coach is going to end up at, I had Aaron Aaron Glenn going there, um, but same things that I said for Aaron Glenn applies to McDonald. The dude's a, a player's coach. Look, players love him, but more, most importantly, he's a defensive-minded coach, and he gets to play around with that defense and with his with the with his you know the previous coach for Seattle as his kind of overseer advisor, whatever his technical title is in Pete Carroll. There, this is only a great situation for McDonald. I honestly, he's. Set up to win. Uh, the biggest issue they have is quarterback play, and that's not necessarily something Mike McDonald is going to be able, or McDonald's going to be able to fix immediately. That's going to be something that is going to be fixed by bringing in an OC, um, which I imagine we have a commentary on here. But I, you know, I, I like the move from that standpoint. Uh, ben Johnson. This one though, I think is very uh, similar to what I always thought was happening with Eric Bieniemy. In in Kansas City, I always wondered if maybe he was setting the bar so high for a new position as a head coach because he has so much to work with in Kansas City. Nobody really who wants to leave Kansas City when you have the big, you know, big red calling all the plays. Maybe not all the plays, but he's calling most of the clutch plays. You have Patty. You had Tyreek at the time. You had Travis Kelsey. You had, I mean, that outstanding defense to carry you. Your offensive line was fantastic. Like. You look at that team, and it made sense why Bianami never wanted to really leave, and it was always a question of why he's not getting the job. Maybe it was because he was setting the bar too high. And I like Ben Johnson coming out and just straight up saying it. Like, yeah, I like it here. My family loves it here. I don't see why I would want to leave. I want to go get. A, I want to bring a Lombardi back to Detroit, whether that's now or next year. Like, I want to do it. That's my, that's my goal. And until I complete that, I don't necessarily want to leave. That's a fantastic thing to hear. Hector and I talked about this on his show. Um well, actually, there's, that'll air later this week. But, you know, it's it's always the kiss of death whenever you hear a coach say that for the most part. When, like, oh, I love where I'm at. I love this. I love that about where I'm at. I don't want to leave. But in this case, I think this is one of those those situations where Ben Johnson's, like, legitimately does not want to leave unless somebody can meet, meet such a high bar. I imagine he set that price range up higher than the $16 million contract a year that Harbaugh just signed. He's just like, you know what? You want to pay me? pay me because look what i did for detroit's offense because that's the only way i'm leaving right now because we're, we're too there's nothing in on detroit's offensive side that is scary for next year like as far as oh no you have to fix this their run game looks good their passing game looks good maybe you get a second receiver uh to go alongside Am- Amon Ra. but i mean even then you had jameson show up in the, one of the biggest games you have josh ronald showing up constantly i mean you'll get Khalif raymond back i like these are all guys that probably would have joked as far as like having as a second fiddle uh, for the most part up until Ben Johnson got a hold of them. 
Um, and with that said, you have Sam Laporta stepping up. So that offense, I think you add a couple pieces on the offensive line, you're set. But I mean, until then, it's not like you're not dangerous. We just saw what this offense did this year. It's a fantastic offense. So why leave? Um, so yeah, I mean, Ben Johnson, I don't blame him. McDonald, that's a great hire. I think it's one of the underrated ones. Um, just, I don't know. He's, he feels like a solid coach. And if anybody wants to put the blame on him on the Baltimore situation, just look at how that offensive game plan was for Baltimore and tell me as a defensive coordinator, you're not just trying to hold on for dear life. Because realistically, that's that's all you could do. Baltimore running backs had six carries in that game. The fact that I can hold up hands and show you how many carries Baltimore running backs had in that game, that's your first issue. Harbaugh, when, when the Ravens under Harbaugh run the ball less than 20 times, they are 0-16. So all that needs to be said, it's, even if it's not working great, you just got to keep trying it at least. And I think they needed Lamar to run a little bit more too. I don't know if they, it looked like he looked like he was hesitant to take off in some of those situations he normally used to. It's almost like, I don't know if it was him or if there was something they told him to do or what it was. There's just a few moments where I'm like, Lamar, oh, never mind. He's sacked. Oh, he's, oh, he, oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not in the room. I wasn't there. It just, something was a little bit off in that game, but yeah. I, we agree. That's a great hire for Seattle. I'm going to circle back to what you said is, the issue there, I think, is going to be the offense and the quarterback. Geno Smith, obviously, coming off comeback player of the year. He didn't write back last the year before. This last year, a little more of traditional Geno Smith. Still good. Still a great thrower of the football, but just some meh, plus the injuries. They need offense. They need some, they need an offense quarterback they could trust there. Looking at the landscape, like, they lost Shane Walner to the Bears, so I'm trying to think, like, who would be good options. Honestly, what they should do is kind of just look to last year. Go check out Ryan Grubb, the, the OC, tell him to come back to Seattle. I mean, you could speak to well as anyone. Alabama kind of sucks. I know he just went there. He's been there for maybe a month. He probably hates it already and should come back. So, Grubb, I'm just going to say he hates that Alabama wants to come back to Seattle at this point. So, come back, be the Hawks OC, see what you could do with Geno Smith. Or, you know what, maybe the Hawks do something fun. And if they aren't too sold on Geno Smith because he's a Pete Carroll kind of guy maybe, maybe if the Bears are taking a quarterback, you go say hi. What do you? How about Justin Fields? Second round pick, conditional second to first next year, maybe kind of like the Colts and Carson Wentz a few years ago. Maybe you go that route. Maybe you trade up a little bit, go grab a Michael Penix, keep the get something like that. You might not even have to trade up, honestly. But maybe you can get him in that teen spot, go ahead and pick up Michael Penix. I don't know. There are options there. It just depends on who you bring as the OC and how McDonald feels about Geno Smith as well, too, and how he can kind of bounce back. Because we like Geno, but last year at 33, reverting back to the norm, it was like, well, hold on. Now, what are we getting with you? DK is not getting any younger. Tyler Lockett sure isn't getting any younger. Got good young offensive line when healthy. They just need to stay healthy because roster spot for roster spot, they're as good as just about anyone in the NFC. They just got to stay healthy and all click, and they need to get the quarterback figured out. Is Gino the answer? I don't know. that. that either way, I think they need to bring someone like a Ryan Grubb. I think that'd be a great thing if you could bring him back and then figure out that situation. But for a young defensive-minded head coach, McDonald, I like it a lot. He's going to have a lot of fun there, and – you know, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonne are going to get the ball. I can't help but think he's going to look at the offense court and be like, we're not pulling a Ravens. We're running this damn ball. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I like the idea. Um, as I said, we, I'm sure we had a comment on their offensive uh, coordinator position. But, yeah, no, I like the idea of bringing him in. Um, but, but I don't know if he makes the move. Alternatively, I do think there's a guy out there that, just lost an AFC championship game that has a good relationship with McDonald. As far as we know, that might be on the hook for maybe another OC position, depending on what happens here with the open head coaching position. I'm talking, I'm looking at Todd Munkin. Why not bring in Todd Munkin and be like, Hey, what if you can draft your own quarterback? 
how do you feel about this? Because to me, given all the other hirings for OCs that have happened recently, you just saw Dorsey, you just saw Kellen Moore, you just saw, um, oh goodness, I can't think of former Saints OC signing oh, with the, yeah, signing with the, the 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 Broncos there. I mean, why not go get a guy who has a relationship with McDonald, at least as far as we know that is good, it's a working relationship, and that's really what you need. And, and for McDonald, you know that's a, that part where you lack. And I wonder, I, I still wonder whether Harbaugh had something to do with that offensive game plan. I love everything Harbaugh does generally, but there's always times where I'm just like, mm, how's that working out for you, bud? Um, so I do wonder if that's a little bit of impact there. Um, or if it was all Todd Munkin. And, and in that case, McDonald has the inside knowledge of who caused that situation. So maybe we don't see Munkin. But I'm, I mean, yeah, I do look at that. Um, there has been another coordinator from college been rumored for a job in the pros as an OC, um, former quarterback of one Notre Dame, um, also uh, OC at Alabama. Um, Tommy Reese has been bantered about. I don't like that one as much but I will say he has been bantered about. I say, I feel like I wouldn't be doing it justice to talk about it. An OC, open OC role about a guy who's been talked about coming as an OC in the NFL. But yeah, I don't like that as much, but it's always there. I mean, that's always an availability. If neither one of those two guys happen. Um, look, Tommy Reese, he knows how to run a unique style offense, a style that is very conducive for success offensively. Um, and now he learned how to run the ball under Nick Saban. So now that part of it's not a concern anymore. Um, so I do think, yeah, you mentioned you have a great backfield, a duo of backfield, a uh, duo of players in the backfield there, kind of like Seattle's had for the last decade. It feels like it's just a, a group of running backs that are fantastic in their own right. And now you have two top notch guys in Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet. If they can both stay healthy, I don't see any reason why you can't ride that. Just get a couple of interior offensive linemen to go with them. But yeah, I think, I mean, the options are out there. The options, uh, the options for an OC are fantastic. Um, you have your guy. I, have, I think going Munkin is the best way to go. I mean, I don't hate either option. Um, I really wouldn't like the Tommy Reese thing, like I said, but just that isn't always an opportunity. There's also rumors of Cliff Kingsbury and Chip Kelly as well too as potential offensive coordinator spots. Mm. Those are interesting. Just don't let Chip Kelly touch the personnel if you go that role. Do not let him do anything besides pick plays and design offense. Do not let him touch the player personnel moves. That is yeah, if, he tell, if he tells you I only run my offense, tell him there's the door. If you tell him you can run through that door right over there as well. But we've kind of we've kind of circled around to now. I gotta go to the opposite east coast. We gotta look at Washington. The one spot still open. The carousel is down to one, and this is one I thought would honestly be one of the first one fills you. I thought you had the guy in the house this whole time in Eric Bieniemy. I understand doing your due diligence. You want to go through everybody, but it's crazy to think with one spot left now, either Bill Belichick or Eric Bieniemy will not be a head coach next year. One of those two guys will not be a head coach next year, barring barring a random firing here in the next week or so. But I'm looking at watching. I'm like, you have your guy who has Sam Howell leading the NFL in passing yards through like 12 weeks or something like that. Problem was your offensive line was shaky is what we're going to say. Wobbling like a bridge in an earthquake to quote Josh Allen and, you know, little Wayne Drake and everybody else, but I digress. But, and then at the 32nd ranked defense and Sam Howell holding the ball a little bit too long. Cause he's kind of, kind of greedy too. And a fourth round pick for a reason holds the ball for real. If you're being a man, you like like Sam Howell is your guy. You think you can work with it? You could trade that number two pick for a King's ransom with a side of a Queen's chest. You can get just about everything that the Bears can get for their pick at this point for Drake May, or if they take Drake May number one and Caleb Williams is there. Either way, that pick is worth a lot, and you could reload that team real quickly if he likes Howell. Let's say he's not a soul on Howell. You could, you're telling me you can give Eric Bieniemy Drake May 
a guy who's compared a lot to Josh Allen-esque maybe. Or you could give him Caleb Williams, who people are calling Patrick Mahomes. You're telling me you can give Barry Bannemi that. We disagree on that comparison. But a guy with a rocket arm that can move. We'll keep it that simple. You give Eric Bannemi that with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. He's right there in front of you. It seems so easy. I do I, I don't know. They're doing their due diligence. I get it, but it just seems like the right hire. He's right there in your building already. Players either respect him or he knows they don't respect him and he could trade them out of there because he had that offense clicking for most of the season until it basically died at the end. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but the answer is staring him right in the face, it feels like. This feels like the never-ending question in, in the NFL is when will Eric Bieniemy get an get a head coach position? And we're down to the last two again. And the problem is it's down between one of the greatest head coaches of all times versus Eric Bieniemy. I don't even know if Washington's interviewed Bill Belichick yet either, too. I think and that's still- part. we don't know if they have like yeah. they have it if it has if they have that rumor hasn't been released. It sounds like they're trying to do what the Colts did last year and interview nine thousand candidates and wait till basically the day of the Super Bowl to announce it is what it feels like they're doing at this point. Or they're gonna pluck somebody from one of those two teams. I don't know which how annoying would that be? They take the Chief, they take like Nagy or Spagnola from the Chiefs while they had the former coordinator. That'd be the most you know what I digress. Your turn yeah. to talk. No, I mean I, I think it's unique though. It's a unique situation. I do continue continue to wonder what is wrong with Eric Bieniemy as a coordinator as a play caller, as a head coach. Like, obviously nothing's wrong with him as an OC, but what is wrong with him potentially as a head coach? Does he not have control of his of his unit? Is Maybe that's why. So you're afraid putting him in the, in the head coach position, he wouldn't have control of a team. But if everything you've seen around the, the Washington commanders, you look at the players, you look at the players still there, they all are give glowing reviews of Eric Bieniemy. All the players from Kansas City give glowing reviews of Eric Bieniemy. They all love the man. So... How does he not have a job yet? I don't. I'm going to keep asking that question until he gets a job because at this point, it's it's weird. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what's happening, and I'm not. I don't. I don't like bringing this car this this conversation up. But going into Black History Month, we continue to wonder when we're going to see more black head coaches. Well, we have one of the best candidates who happens to be black for a head coach, and yet he still continues to be overlooked. Is that the reason? Or is there something else? And we I, the only reason I asked the question of is that the reason is because we all know the situation in the NFL. If it wasn't for the Rooney rule, half of these old white guys wouldn't even bother. But I think and it's interesting. That's a terrifying thought. I just also clicked on a thing that said he interviewed for it in January, like early in the month, which feels early January is really like 75 days ago. But yeah. he's considered not necessarily a legitimate candidate. They're looking at guys like Aaron Glenn, Dan Quinn, and a few others as well too at, on top. But Ben Johnson was clearly their guy. I think the new GM they brought in from San Francisco, that's the guy they keyed on. Didn't work out. But Something's why? weird. I don't know what it is. You Maybe there was something more going on with the offense they didn't like. I don't know. But it feels like the answer is sitting there right in house. But if that's the case. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see who they come up with. Yeah. Last year, the question is, what are the Colts doing? They waited this long. They eventually got it right. Granted, they didn't have the obvious answer in the room with them. They had a they had a former TV analyst in the room with them at the time. So we'll have to see, wait and see what their move is. But before we get before we kind of move out of this coaching part too, we do have a couple other ones to take a look at. First one, I'm gonna go with the one that we both just absolutely love to see. Ken Dorsey heading to the Browns. And I say love to see kind of jokingly, like, I'm okay with it. It's a fine hire. It doesn't move the needle, but it's not bad. Like cool. I think Deshaun Watson's numbers will be better in some cases. I don't know how just because we saw what he was like with Josh Allen, those numbers were inflated. Like just the way the offense ran was, was inflating, but it also was a 
high volume of turnover potential opportunities and stall drive. So we'll see. I don't know. I cool. Doesn't move the needle too much though. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I mean, that's a fair assessment. I don't, I don't hate Ken Dorsey as a hiring. I don't, I don't love it though. Um, again, you still have Stefanski there. So the question always becomes how much is the offense really going to be handled by the offensive coordinator? Just like any offensive coordinator that was in Kansas city or any other big place with a head coach. That's an offensive guy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how much that offense is really going to change. Maybe a couple things here change within the offense that's already there. And all right, if that's the case, cool. But yeah, I, I mean, I, unless you give Ken Dorsey the range, I don't think you're going to see the full benefits of what he could do. Um, and it's, you know, speaking of Ken Dorsey, Josh Allen came out and said, hey, it's my fault he got fired, which is cool for Josh Allen to come out and say that. That's a great thing, a great sign of leadership within within the clubhouse type of thing. But it wasn't just Josh Allen's fault. Don't get me wrong. Josh Allen was making a lot of mistakes. But it's because there were no other options that he had to force the ball. Granted, there was always the option of him running. But again, you also tell him, hey, I don't need you running as much because I don't need you getting hurt. So he has that in his mind. And then he goes and throws a pick. And it's like, you can't throw that pick. It's like, it's a losing situation anyways for the quarterback. So yeah, Josh Allen, sure. It might've been some of your fault, but it's not all your fault. Stop it. Um, but yeah, no, Ken Dorsey is a hiring. Okay, all right, cool. I always go back to against Miami when they lost that game in like week three of two years ago when he threw that hissy fit temper tantrum in the stands that they caught on camera. Oh, he slammed on the, the iPad and everything. Yes, throwing his headset, throwing. He looked worse than a, than a 13-year-old kid who just got robbed in Madden by lag or Call of Duty. He, he did that on a touchdown pass from Allen. Allen improvising and throwing a touchdown pass to Gabe Davis at one point in time. They caught him on camera being like, <laughs> like he hated the situation, just slamming his fist down. Like, what? You just scored a touchdown. Why are you mad about this? So his uh, roller coaster, I'm kind of worried. That, that, that was the thing that I kind of think it didn't work with Allen, too. We saw Brian Dabble for all of his faults. He built the offense style and strengths, and he held him accountable. Like, this was stupid, Josh. Don't do that. Whereas I think Ken Dorsey was, it looked based on those two clips we just talked about, it seemed very volatile. So, you know, we'll see what he does with the Browns. I I just don't know. As you mentioned, it's Stefanski's offense. His job is Dorsey's going to be helping with the game plans day in and day out, probably throughout the week, is like the game plan for the week. We'll have to wait and see. But the one that we both really want to talk about that's a lot of fun is heading over to Pittsburgh, who decided to bring in Arthur Smith as their offensive coordinator. And I'm going to keep mine quick and short and painless because this is just hilarious to me. Obviously, he's a much better offense coordinator than he is a head coach. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Fantasy football players buy stock in Darnell Washington because you know how much he loves the random backup tight ends. And Pittsburgh police be on standby for the first month because George Pickens in that offense is going to commit homicide on whoever the quarterback is and Arthur Smith. The amount of times he's not going to get the ball. Same with Deontay Johnson. We saw that with Kyle Pitts. Bijan Robinson and Drake London last year. Imagine what George Pickens is gonna is gonna do. He's not exactly known for be having a mellow, cool, calm demeanor. Or Deontay Johnson, who got a little bit annoyed last year as well, too, with a quarterback situation pretty much identical. And then running backs who you have your running backs will call are fine. I don't I think Najee Harris and Jalen Warren will still find a way to weirdly get theirs, but like those receivers are gonna lose their mind. They they thought Matt Canada was bad. Oh, we they're gonna be they're gonna lose their mind at the amount at the amount of plays scripted up for the fourth string tight end and the second string fullback. Those are and for the random plays where Calvin Austin will get like seven targets or something like that. Like George Pickens might kill a man next year. And I don't know if it's gonna be the quarterback or it's gonna be Arthur Smith. Or it might be Mike Tomlin. I don't know. But George Pickens might we see now he blocks DBs. He might purposely try and block one into that sideline and go after a coach or something. He might lose his mind. Yeah, we questioned uh Antonio Brown's situation with the Bucks. 
Um, I think George Pickens might be version 2.0 of that if that that offense continues the way that, that Arthur Smith loves to to coach. Oh, by the way, the, the rumors came out that evidently he there were often times that he didn't get plays in in the game in time, and so they had to burn timeouts. Like there were times in an entire clock he couldn't get a decided, which is a dumb thought because my go-to is halfback gut. Hmm. I don't know how what, what the last part you heard. I'd... We heard we heard it. Go to his halfback gut, and honestly, if, if all things considered, you have a running back like when he had Bijan or Tyler Algier or Cordero Patterson. Halfback gut's a very safe play to go to. When in doubt, but at the same time, he didn't seem to want to do that. He wanted to do play action, tight end leak to John Smith or something ridiculous like that. So, at the same time, we kind of agree on that. That's just a very weird hiring. Maybe we'll be fine. It's not like the Steelers were good on offense last year to begin with. It's only up from here, I guess, more lateral from here. I don't know. They got to figure out what they're going to do with quarterback and offensive line first because they got plenty. They got plenty of holes. I'm just, they got to hope George Pickens doesn't lose his damn mind. If he's, because if they're going to do what we saw happen to Drake London last year in a lot of games, George Pickens is going to snap and Deontay Johnson is going to snap too. He's, he had to go 17 weeks without a damn, or, I think it was 17 game weeks, and then I think it was – actually, no, it was more than that because it was a full season plus him. He basically had to go more than a calendar year without getting in the end zone. And we know that kid is way too damn talented for that to happen. So those two might 22. hold a meeting by themselves. 22, 22 games is what it was? I believe it was 22 weeks without a touchdown. Uh, 22 then, NFL weeks. So basically north of 380 days, basically, something absolutely ridiculous yeah. like that. He, uh, those two are going to snap if Arthur Smith does the same thing he did Last year, he's going to have to revert to what he did in 2020 with the Titans, which, granted, that's even kind of a foul six. That was led by Derrick Henry having 2,000 yards rushing, which made things a lot easier for A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Like, that's good luck. Good luck, Steelers fans. Good luck, especially in that division. By the way, Connor Hayward, that's who I'm buying stock in from that tight end grouping. Uh, He is their third, fourth tight end, something like that. So, yeah, Connor Hayward is who I'd be uh, picking up on my flyers list. For next year if i have george pickens in dynasty he's not playing next year i don't want to sell him yet just in case he gets traded or something like that and goes to anywhere that doesn't have arthur smith but all all owners of falcons players rejoice you have been rewarded you have your prayers have been answered those who have Bijan or drake or kyle pitts or any of them in dynasty leagues your prayers have been answered they will finally be used again so praise for that good good for there so honestly as we look across it there's a Interesting set of uh, NFL coaching situations as well, too. But still some more work to be done as well, and I'm really looking forward. I'm really curious who the commanders are going to bring in, but we will definitely have to keep an eye on that. But, you know, we've had a lot of time, fun time talking about the NFL here in the main event. And, you know, what, Kelsey, I think it's time to ha- head to your favorite part of every show, and that is, of course, Crunch Time. Crunch Time brought to you by our good friends over at Outlier.bet. Go to Outlier.bet backslash Hilo Sports. Get a free seven-day trial to bet smarter, not harder. Everything you need from trends, analytics, and everything you need to win yourself some money. And speaking of some money, we're going to do something a little bit different here. We're going to play a little bit of NBA 2K My Team along with NBA 2K, NBA, uh, NBA All-Star, NBA Fantasy. We're just going to build our own team here. And we're going to go and pop up, um, pop up the graphic here right now. And for those of you who are listening on an audio platform as well, what it is is we have $15 to make an all-time starting lineup. And what I'm going to do now is we'll go and take a look at the players. I'm going to start. It's $5 to 1 is the is the way I'm going to list them. Starting at point guard, $5 for Magic, Rod Johnson, 4 for Oscar Robinson, 3 for Isaiah Thomas, 2 for John Stockton, 1 for Walt Frazier. Shooting guards, Michael Jordan, 5, Kobe Bryant, 4, Jerry West, 3, Clyde Drexler, 2, Dwayne Wade, 1. 
Small forward, LeBron James, five, Larry Bird, four, Larry Bird, four, Julius Irving, Dr. J, three, Kevin Durant, two, Scotty Pippen, one. Power forwards, Carl Malone, five, Charles Barkley, four, Dirk, Tim Duncan, three, Dirk Nowitzki, two, Kevin Garnett, one. And then for center, Kareem at five, Bill Russell at four, Will Chamberlain at three, Shaq at two, and Akeem Olajuwon at one. So since everyone is sick of hearing my voice now after reading all those off for our audio-only listeners, Kelsey, I'm going to let you go first. You got $15 here. Let's create your team. All right. So I'm going to start with the expensive guy first. <laughs> um, most might think I'm going MJ. I am not. I'm going with the most versatile player at his peak in all time in the NBA. I'm going with LeBron James. So LeBron James, my small forward, $5 right off the board. So I got 10 bucks left to play with. So now I have to be a little thrifty. With that in mind, I'm going to point guard. I'm going to pull out the greatest assist man of all times and one of the greatest still artists of all times. I'm going John Stockton. So now we're down to $8. $8 left for three guys. You think that's a lot? I'm about to eliminate half of that money. I'm going to, to, to shooting guard. I'm going Kobe. I'm going Kobe Bean Bryant. I'm talking about the absolute assassin that Kobe is and high-quality defender. So now I have three guys that offensively and defensively really good. But I only got four bucks left to play with. So what am I going to do with those last four dollars? I've played around with this a lot. There's a couple ways I thought about going with this. I could go Duncan and Olajuwon. I think that would be a great matchup in the front court. I could go Garnett and Wilt. I think that would be a great matchup in the front court. But I'm going a different route. I'm going with the best European player to ever play in the NBA. I'm going Dirk Nowitzki. And that's two bucks off the board. So now I'm left with two. And you betcha, I'm going with the Diesel, Shaq Diesel, Superman himself. I'm going Shaq down low. So my top five, my $15 team, John Stockton for 2 bucks, Kobe Bean Bryant for $4 at shooting guard, LeBron James at five for $5 at small forward. At power forward, I have Dirk Nowitzki for 2 bucks, and Shaquille O'Neal taking up the number five spot there at 2 bucks as well. So when I look at your team, the first thing that comes to mind is offense. There's yeah. definitely a whole lot of offense there as well. What I like is an interesting rules, by the way. Was it? We're playing today's rules, not 1990 hmm. rules. Well, Shaq might not be very useful and he might foul out pretty quickly on you, but the rest of it, I, what I like about yours is you have the versatility of the pick and roll with Stockton and Shaq. And, I, and if we're taking Laker Shaq or Orlando Shaq, honestly, that or LeBron, still- maybe Stockton LeBron or LeBron and Shaq or Kobe and or Shaq. Orlando, if Orlando will play that role and is willing to roll instead of being at the ball, but. You have the yeah. pick and pop with Dirk Nowitzki, which is like what he did with Carl Malone. That was so deadly with that pick and pop. And now you got it from three point range and with Dirk. You got Kobe who could take the just isolate as well, too. As well as can run those other things, but he's known for the ISO. And you have LeBron who kind of mixes both of those. He's primarily an isolation player who also looks to pass off of it as well, or an isolation off of a pick to try and get a mismatch as well. So I do like the offensive versatility you have there as well. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I am a hazard on defense. I won't lie. I, like, I know, I know when it comes to defensive matchup, especially that front court, I have some openings uh, that can be taken advantage of. But that's what I'm getting offense for. You know what? If you can just get, you'll play like in a winning time. The system, more shots, more, more, more. Your shooting percentages won't matter. More quantity over quality. Six second offense, unless we give it to Shaq, and then Order. eight second offense. Yeah. Yeah, then we need a 10-second offense for Dirk and Shaq to get up the court, then give him the ball. That's where the other that's where the other 15 seconds of the shot clock goes. It's always going down to the end of the shot clock. It's just the offense takes that long. But for mine, I'm gonna go with a slightly different route. I'm gonna start my five dollars. You took one of the top two, three players of all time. I'm gonna take the other one in Michael Jordan. 
I like the versatility. I love what I can do offense. So there's my $5 out of the way shooting guard. It's going to lead me to $10 the rest of the way. I'm going to go to point guard as well. I'm in the same vein as you. I'm going to pick a versatile point guard who I think could do a little bit of everything. I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas, though. I think he's can match a lot of the shooting. I think he's a little more athletic, and I like his man-to-man defense, which is going to be a theme you see here a little bit as well, too. I think he's got a little bit of the dog in him. We remember what he did on that broken ankle, too. Small forward. They're already, already spending more than me. That's okay. I get I, I get thrifty here down the stretch. I got $8 down, so I got 7 to go. I got a plan here. Small forward, we're going to go with a unique one here. I'm surprised he's this low. I'm taking Kevin Durant for $2. You're giving me a seven-foot guy that can shoot threes and can go isolate all over and is one of the better help side defenders we've seen in the mod, in modern day, too. He, you're telling me I got a seven-footer that can run from the three-point line and help on a pick-and-roll situation? Cool. And can, his midi's nice, too, so he can play in any range. To quote him in on Twitter, my midi's nice, though, and he can <laughs> hit the three. So I like the versatility there. Power forward? I'm going to come back to that one. Center, we're going with Hakeem Olajuwon. I think the fact that he's $1 in here feels like a travesty, and that's not even a shot against the other guys, but I still think Hakeem Olajuwon, if he's not the best center of all time, he's probably number two in my opinion. When you factor in arguably the best, the second best defensive center of all time, you can make a case, considering he's top 10 in blocks and steals. Spicy and you can make a case there for some. What was that? I said that's spicy words for some. I didn't ask them, though. But then you also look, he's known as for the dream shake as well. He's known for his offensive game, the thousand different moves he has in the post, the ability to shoot mid range. His offensive game is incredibly versatile. So if I'm looking at that, that's five, eight, nine, 10, 11. So I got $4 left to play with here. We're going to keep that $1 and change. I'm not going to, I'm only going to need three. I'm going to go ahead and take Tim Duncan as well. I'm taking a versatile paint defender who can shoot the mid-range, the ultimate fundamentalist, who is one of the best passing big men we've seen as well, one of the better rim protectors as well, and is just incredible rebounder. He could do just about everything you'd imagine. So what I went with here is at point guard, we got Isaiah Thomas for three. Shooting guard, we got Michael Jordan for five. Small forward, we got Kevin Durant for two. Power forward, we got Tim Duncan for three. And Akeem Olajuwon for $1 with $8 left to spare. I'm going versatility defensively, and I can score on every inch of the court with multiple options. There is not a offensive weak link or an offensive part of the court that that they get, that multiple guys can't score on. That's fair. Um, oh, by the way, for those that don't know, we're not talking Isaiah Thomas, Celtics, Kings, everybody else he played for. No, we're talking about Isaiah Thomas. We're talking about Zay. We're talking about the Zeke. dude that led the bad boys of basketball, Detroit Pistons, Isaiah, that Isaiah Thomas. So, the one with yeah, 25 on a bum ankle in a third quarter against the Lakers as well. Like that three straight NBA finals, Isaiah Thomas. We're talking about that Isaiah Thomas. For those yeah. who don't know, okay, that's a good point. I didn't think there were some of you young whippersnappers that might not know. Hey, but that's the Isaiah Thomas. Young as, hey, young as ever watched uh, the, the bad boys of basketball, it's obvious. So, no, I mean, I agree. So I just want to like look at this though. I know, are you sure you don't want to spend a dollar more? Get Oscar Robertson, get the round mound or rebound to Charles Barkley or Shaq. Or Julius Irving, you don't want to spend a dollar more to get any of those. I like Kevin Durant. What he can do for shooting every square inch of the court can help defense. You're telling me if let's say Jerry West, we're playing a team as Jerry West. Jerry West gets switched on to Kevin Durant. Okay, oh, I'll take that. Or even defensively, Jerry West has the ball and Kevin Durant is guarding him. Jerry West is awesome, but that is a nightmare. I'm looking at. I like Oscar as well too. I like Isaiah's shooting just a little bit better, and I like his athletic ability. I think he's a little faster. I love Oscar Robertson. I. It was tempting when we were making this list. I'm thinking about running. I like Isaiah's ability to run a little bit more. 
Charles Barkley, there will not be a single bad word uttered about Charles Barkley on this podcast as long as I'm around. That we will not stand for that. I will never say a bad word about Charles. It's funny because as I look at this list, there's a couple guys that I, you know, I've been playing around with different different types of starting lineups on this one. And, you know, you can make a list with Magic Johnson, LeBron James, Hakeem, Dwayne Wade. Oh, by the way, you still have $3 left. Tim Duncan. How terrifying of a lineup would that be alone? You that you talk about matchup problems across the board. That's a matchup world. Like every one of your players could guard one through four at the least. You don't want Dwayne guarding a center, but he can do it if he needs to. He's thick enough. But you have centers. I mean, like he's he's got four of the five guys though that can guard center. And also Tim Duncan, I don't I don't think you want to have guard maybe a point guard. But I mean, look, you have five guys that can guard three positions. And then you have three of those five guys that can guard all five. Like that's a terrifying thought as well. And you talk offensively. I mean, in itself, in and of itself, probably the most efficient offensive team you could put together on this list for fifteen bucks. So. Yeah, I'm thinking about it too. It's like the only weakness of that team is you can't really. It's going to be tough to shoot from the outside, but they're going to be running in transition from their defensive stops. They're not even going to play half court offense. And if they do, they're just going to give it to Akeem, and everyone crash the boards at that point. Like, Akeem, Akeem takes down the takes down his block shot with one hand again. He just throws an outlet to Magic. Magic throws a deep bomb to LeBron or Wade or. Yeah. Then you yeah. know what? Their best three point shooter might be Tim Duncan. It might just be with his like three career threes or whatever it is, something ridiculous. Hey, like, there's a lot of fun options they can do with this as well. There's a lot of very fun options. And you know what? But this list might change in a couple of years as well, too. Some of the young, some of the players we've had that are ascending, you might end up seeing a Jokic on this list one day. Which, if they take off Akeem for Jokic, that'll annoy me because Akeem should be like a three or a four. The fact that I got him for one dollar is hilarious to me, but I'm not, we're not going to go there either way. Let us know down below what teams you would put together with this scenario we have here as well. This was an absolute blast. We enjoyed going ahead and do the, doing this, and let us know, too, if you want us to see us do more things like this as well, too. But it was a fun talk at sports this week. We love having you guys here, and we will, of course, see you all again next week.